Well, we have finally arrived at Jesus. If you've been worshiping with our congregation through the past several weeks, you may have noticed that Jesus hasn't exactly been center stage this Lent. Of course, we've read from the Gospels like we always do, but our main focus has been on texts from the Old Testament. There's a good reason for that. We have been considering the topic of Lent, of Sabbath this Lent, and the Old Testament has a whole lot more to say about this than the New. From the very start, we've been working with the understanding that the Bible's invitation and even command to rest is a gift. It is not some burdensome ancient idea, but a blessing, an offering meant to nurture a way of life that is generous and whole, gracious and just for all God's creatures, even for the earth. We spoke about how God paused on the seventh day of creation, modeling that life-giving rhythm of work and rest, inhaling and exhaling, that is woven deeply into the fabric of life. We spoke about the Sabbath commandment as an interruption to our hurried, frantic lives, as a practice aimed at intentionally resisting the anxiety all around us. We spoke about the Sabbath as a remembrance of freedom, a time to refocus on the God who delivered the people of Israel from bondage and who delivers us from all that would hold us back from lives that are free and full, including the compulsion to work our fingers to the bone. We spoke about the Sabbath as a gift for the sake of community, providing a space and time to encounter and enjoy one another, to dream about the sort of world we would like to help create, where God's blessings are shared, where no one is left out, where there is enough to go around. We've been soaking in this rich biblical theme this Lent. The Old Testament has lots to say about the Sabbath, about this grace of time where there is nothing to accomplish, nothing to prove, where we can draw near to God and to one another and simply be. And now we finally come to Jesus. And you might have noticed that the tone changes a little bit. The prophet Isaiah calls us to honor the Sabbath, to call it a delight. But it is not often a delightful subject in the Gospels. In fact, when the Gospel writers tell a story about Jesus and the Sabbath, there is almost always a conflict involved. You know this, right? The Gospels are full of stories of Jesus healing on the Sabbath and angering the religious authorities in the process. It's sort of a New Testament staple, a type of story we have heard so many times that we don't even think about it very much. And I think these stories bring lots of Christians to a couple of quick conclusions. First, that Jewish people in Jesus' time basically held a rigid and legalistic understanding of the Sabbath. Jesus came with a totally new understanding, free from the burden of the law. And second, that the Sabbath really isn't all that important. After all, the Sabbath stories we have of Jesus show him keeping plenty active on that day. Kind of looks like he was too busy to stop working. So why should we? I'm afraid the Sabbath stories we have in the New Testament, all those arguments between Jesus and the religious leaders, regularly lead Christians to some version of those two ideas and both are profoundly and harmfully wrong. That second one is easy to deal with. 
Why don't the Gospels have lots of stories of Jesus lounging at home on the Sabbath or taking a nice long walk or enjoying leisurely meals with friends? Well, probably because those things were so ordinary, so totally expected that they went without saying. Jesus was an observant Jew, after all. Daily life in Nazareth undoubtedly paused on the Sabbath when he was growing up. He would have known this day for the rich gift that it is, as a day for cherishing relationships and freedom, for worshiping in community. I think the gospel writers don't talk about Jesus resting on the Sabbath for the same reason they don't talk about him taking a bath. It's basic, it's understood. The Sabbath was a core marker of identity for Jewish people in Jesus's time, and of course it still is today. Jesus never questions this idea or practice. It was clearly a given for him. So we shouldn't make, him, make the mistake of thinking that Jesus isn't in favor of rest. And neither should we see Jesus as the lone crusader for freedom against an inherently legalistic Jewish faith. It's a terrible caricature that doesn't do justice either to Jesus or to the religion of which he was a part. I know it's easy to see a story like the one we have in front of us today from the Gospel of Matthew as sort of presenting a Christian understanding versus a Jewish understanding of the Sabbath, but that's not what it is at all. Our story today shows Jesus jumping into a lively discussion that was, and debate that was already taking place within his own tradition. The Sabbath commandment prohibits work. Right, but what exactly constitutes work. The biblical texts don't specify, so rabbis have had to figure that out over the details and over the millennia. They've always, there have always been different ways of answering that question, and there still are. One thing that has never been up for debate, however, is whether the Sabbath laws should be suspended in order to save life. Of course they should. Saving life overrules the Sabbath was a basic principle of ancient Judaism. If someone's life is in danger, of course you shouldn't sit back and rest. You should act. Profane one Sabbath for a person's sake so that he may keep many Sabbaths, says one text from around Jesus' time. All that is background for our reading from the Gospel today. In the first scene, Jesus' disciples break the Sabbath laws by gleaning as they pass through a field, plucking grain as, to eat as they walk. The Pharisees note that this is not technically lawful. Picking grain is work. The disciples really ought to have packed their lunches the day before. So the Pharisees have a point, of course. And Jesus responds with a well-known story from Scripture in which King David and his men broke religious law eating bread that was designated only for priests when they were famished long ago. So Jesus has a point too. The law has always had flexibility built into it when it comes to meeting basic human needs. In the second scene, Jesus heals a man with some sort of medical condition that has made his hand unusable. The Pharisees aren't pleased, and it's not because they wouldn't have cared for the man or been concerned about his condition, but because it's a Sabbath day. And this sure doesn't seem like a life or death situation. If the man were in serious danger, there would have been no debate here. But couldn't this have waited till tomorrow when daily work resumes? And again, the Pharisees have a point. In the great scheme of things, what is one more day? 
And Jesus responds with that image, which is almost a small parable about a person's only sheep being stuck in a well. If that were you, you wouldn't leave it down there until the next day, would you? You would pull it out immediately, even if it were the Sabbath. It's possible that Jesus sees much more than inconvenience in the man's condition. After all, being unable to use one of his hands probably severely limited the work that he could do. It may have made it impossible to provide for himself or his family in that time and place. Perhaps Jesus saw his condition as not really so far from questions of life and death. The man's healing undoubtedly restored much more than just his hand. So Jesus has a point too. The Sabbath has always been about life. Everyone agrees with that. So why not grant life to this man today? Each side has a point here. And that's just the point. We're getting a glimpse of the kind of lively debate that has always taken place within the Jewish faith when it comes to the Sabbath. The things Jesus says, that this is a day for life, that the Sabbath is made for humanity and not humanity for the Sabbath, those sorts of things were said by lots of other rabbis too in his time. He's not totally original in what he says here. It's all part of the discussion, part of the debate taking place. What does it mean to take this beautiful ancient practice intended for the well-being and flourishing of all and incorporate it into our lives today. In our own way, we're asking just those kinds of questions in the study groups meeting this season. Should you turn off your phone for a whole 24 hours? Should you check your email at all? Should you try to get a few things done around the house if that sounds restful to you? Or should you do your best to avoid anything that would possibly be on a to-do list? The Pharisees and Jesus don't see eye to eye. That's clear. They certainly have a more rigid view of this practice than he does. But on its own, that's not such a big deal. Asking the questions and arguing it out is all part of the process. It's still part of what it means to be in a living tradition. So why do they want to kill him then? That question's still there. And I imagine it has something to do with Jesus walking around saying things like, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, it's one thing to disagree about how to interpret the law. It's another to amass great crowds of followers and challenge the powers that be again and again and speak like you are an authority above all others. Who does this peasant from some no-name village think he is anyway? He could cause a whole lot of trouble, that's for sure. That's why I think many of the religious leaders had it in for Jesus. He posed a very real threat to the status quo, a very real threat to their position. It's how those in power, in any time or place, in any faith or none, so often respond respond to those who challenge them with fear and anxiety and even violence. So the cross isn't far off. Holy Week will come. But today we are invited once more to consider the practice of Sabbath, time meant to restore us and our neighbors. How might this practice provide occasions for us to honor life, for us and for our neighbors? In our times of rest, how might we cherish this most precious gift which we can all too easily take for granted? 
how might we hold this day, this moment, with the grace and reverence that it calls for? They are important questions, friends. They're ones worth asking. So join the conversation. Join in wondering together. There's room for you and for us all. Thanks be to God. Amen.